Ciao. Sono Cat. E Sono Gabe. Noi siamo Ghouls Next Door. Woo! Guys, we're so great at saying two words in knows more than that, but like in any language, we're just doing a really good job. A hello in all the languages so far. Yeah, the only one that was hard for me was Korean. Korean was very hard. Yeah, it's just very different. Words. Yeah, yeah, it's cool though. It was but cool. if you don't know, that was Italian that we were speaking to you. <laughs> yeah, let's give you some context. You know, yeah. we're just saying like you don't, you just know. Guys, listener, you just know. What do they know? That we're in love. Oh. Because we're talking about some romance languages, specifically uh, today. Italian. Gotcha. Do you see what I did? It's I so see. great. Oh, it took a minute to get there, but we got there, which mm-hmm. is important. Like most of my jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're doing Italian, so this is going to wrap up our uh, foreign horror series for right now. That's not to say that there won't be foreign horror in the future, because there's a lot of countries that are not ours who make horror movies, and yeah. albeit very good ones, mm-hmm. and don't get enough credit. And we, yeah, we have learned a lot about all the different countries that we've talked about, and we've learned a lot about how what your country has gone through greatly influences the lens in which you look at media. Yeah, uh, media, or specifically horror historiography, if you will. Ooh, fancy. I get to use my degree. Ha ha, everyone who said I wouldn't. What's up? (laughs) History. Yeah. It Um, does stuff. (laughs) Yeah, we, in in the whole time, what I found in this series is that we haven't been able to watch everything that's, like, suggested. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not to say that we don't want to. It's just we don't have a lot of time. And our episodes are only an hour. We can't cover all of them. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's just yeah. a kind of subtle one day. And if you feel really strongly about it, tell us. Like, my friend told me that, like, what, you didn't do Chinese horror films? And I was like, tell me about some. Yeah. And they were like, you have to see these. They, like, ruined my sister's, like, emotional state oh. for, like, a whole year. And I was like, what? So, like, yeah, there's other places. There's other places we haven't been. And we're, we're going to go. And maybe if we didn't cover something in, you know, the places we have been... You can go back, you know? Yeah. We are still alive. And what I found about Italian horror specifically is that we have talked about very popular Italian horror films Mm -hmm. previously in other episodes because they are really profound in either the genre that they come from or they have something very unique to them that was worthy of speaking. Um, So like Cannibal Holocaust, which we talked about in found footage, Mm -hmm. and uh, Suspiria, which was our uh, horror movie uh, film score, so talking about uh, the music that's in there, because that was a very, very unique soundtrack, and it was designed for that. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if we <laughs> run if we into talk them, about them again, yeah. or if we eventually do have to watch Salo, which we did not. Yeah. Just going to put that out there. One thing I'll say that's really interesting about it- Italy and their horror films is they're always doing something a little extra. Yeah. They're, they're taking a thing you thought you knew about, Mm-hmm. I mean, like, <laughs> you thought you knew. Yeah, you thought you were comfortable. Um, guess what? <laughs> we did the thing that you thought you knew and made it just real extra. Yeah. We added 8 million plus to that <laughs> in a unique and very Italian way. Or at least that's, you know, yeah. what we read about. Yeah. Um, and you thought it was one thing. You thought that thing couldn't be done again. And we did it. But it's different. It's unique. And it's... 
it's it's extra. It's more colorful. There's more music, you know. Suspiria is all color and sound. Uh, yes. You know, like <laughs> Cannibal <laughs> very realistic violence and gore. Or hyper-realistic violence and gore. Yeah, I would say it's like they it's have an appreciation for all types of media and genres and cultures and then take those and they're like, I really like this thing. How can we make this Italian? Mm-hmm. Which has been this whole thing, which is cool. And what we see is that, I guess, to make it Italian, you make it more. Extra. You make it more. <laughs> you go to the extremes. Yeah. And that's that's what we got. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening. We love you. Oh, cool. All right. Well, let's talk about Italy. Yes. Um, as we said, we were going to. So uh, we got, we pulled from two specific places or three about, we did some research as we do. Yes. Um, so what we kind of found out is that, you know, the really early emergence of like film in general, mm-hmm. um, but especially in reference to Italian horror, it really seemed like it was going to become a promising addition to what we see kind of like in mainstream horror today. Yeah. When you started to see, like, some of the really new films in, like, 1910 to 20s when film existed. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, Because they really seemed like they were pushing the boundaries of, like, what special effects could be for Mm -hmm. that time period. Um, And, you know, approaching moral and religious issues in a unique and arguably very Italian way. So it really seemed like they were going to be, like, leading, doing it. They were going to do the extra stuff from the beginning. And then they just didn't because of a lot of reasons (laughs) so um as it happens similar to some of the other countries we've talked about in this series we're pulled the plug on creative freedom um and you add fascism in as well and you sort of (laughs) get a better understanding of what happened yeah to italian horror and why it took a different direction than what we saw in france or japan or korea um in the post-world war ii realm um so if you didn't know in 1922, Benito Mussolini led the establishment of the fascist regime in Italy, preaching freedom from the Savoy monarchy, the official policy being autonomy. Mm-hmm. So by definition, the capacity of an agent to act in accordance with objective morality rather than under the influence of desires. So, as we see in hey, Daenerys brother. Targaryen and Mussolini... <laughs> We're going to set these people free from tyranny. By putting them under our tyranny. With blood and violence. <laughs> um, so it's just, yeah, it's just so strange when you see someone argue for freedom in a, like, definition. Yeah. Kind of that uh, euphemism mentality mm-hmm. of, like, oh, that you yeah. see in dictatorships. You saw in the Mao Zedong era of China. You see yep. it in Mussolini, Italy. And they just use it as a way to be Soviet like, hey, we're going to go do some real authoritative dictatorial <laughs> murder. Yeah. Flip. You're going to listen to us or you're not going to have ears. I don't understand. <laughs> What's the problem? Yeah. You, you you're do. free. So what? <laughs> but um, free to you. You owe us. Free you with quotes. Yeah. So, yeah. Free-er. <laughs> But, yeah, what's really interesting about the Mussolini regime is that it offered heavy support to the film industry Mm -hmm. to convey that message. 
It's like freedom, but my freedom. Propaganda. Watch a film about it. <laughs> so they give him a ton propaganda. of money. And we see that with the creation of, what's it called? The Sincita, said it wrong, I'm sorry, Studios, which is the largest film studio in Europe. Oh. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but it's at the same time. Oh, no. So Mussolini remarked that cinema is the most powerful weapon that you can have. And he used that weapon mm-hmm. to basically be like, hey, listen to me. Create propaganda to push his agenda kind of stuff. Yeah. So you get a lot of film. Yeah. Lots of them. But horror kind of just takes like a back pedal. Like, yeah. it's just like, oh. does, They don't want horror to be known. Yeah, they don't give a voice to horror. It's the narrative of horror is kind of gone. Because that's freedom in itself, is mm-hmm. you're going to tell stories through horror lens. Yeah, it's honesty, but also, like, creativity. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you need in your fascist regime. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you think fascism, you're like, hey, let's throw a lot of, like, colors and Fine. creative stuff in there. So that kind of, like, messed that whole thing up. So you see nothing but censorship Italian films produced in the late 1930s were just basically all propaganda films um, and are no longer findable to ghouls like us. So any horror films that existed before then or, like, tried to exist and were banned through censorship, like, it's very hard to find them. So it's not saying they weren't ever doing a thing, but no one was able to see it. Like, kind of like the Korean films Mm -hmm. that we missed out on. You know, internationally, we lose out on a lot of that. Yeah. So I'm... They're no longer findable, it's sad. But post-World War II Italy saw the rise of influential Italian neorealism movements, um, which we'll talk about a little bit, with the launching of directorial careers of Lucino Visconti, Roberto Rossellini, and Vittorio De Sica. Hopefully I said this right. But um, just as it began, neorealism declined in the late 1950s in favor of lighter films. So we start to see that, like, oh, you can't make a film, but... If you make a film, we don't want to watch it because we have a lot going on. Yeah. And we want to focus on lighter things. So you have a really big success of Commedia all-Italia genre. So directors like Fellini and, ooh, I can't say his name, Antonioni. <laughs> Michelangelo Antonioni. Um, and actresses like Sophia Lauren, uh, Giulietta Messina, Gina Lolo Brigida. Excellent. My bad. Achieved, you know, their international stardom. But you see a lot of comedies. You see a lot of, like, slice of life films uh-huh. in this neorealism period. Yeah. But you don't see a lot of horror. So the horror kind of gets a backpedal, keeps that backpedal. And it does show up here and there. But what's interesting is that a lot of their films were either ignored globally yeah. and received a lot of revere at home or ignored at home and revered globally by horror fanatics like us. Yeah. So you kind of don't really get a middle ground. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But what we do see is a lot of, in our, I guess, the films that we watched, a lot of sexuality and graphic violence as a theme. So, um, arguably, commenting on the horrors taking place on the ground during the war and living in a fascist empire, uh, it dove deep in all the extreme ways that, Mm -hmm. you know, we kind of talked about. It was, like, bright and loud and graphic. But what's, like, troubling about it is that a lot of it is 
graphic violence against women and using women and violence against them as a plot point or just like entertainment value. And it's usually very over the top, kind of making women not seem like people and making them seem like butchered meat. And Ooh. you kind of see that and that's not, that's not good, but it's problematic, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's a history of horror all the time. <laughs> but uh, while neorealism exploded after the war and was incredibly influential at the international level, neorealist films made up only a small percentage of the Italian films produced during this period, as post-war Italian moviegoers preferred escapist comedies starring actors such as Toto and Alberto Sordi. With the realities of war and the corruption both in government and religion, Italians sought films that documented and spoke to everyday life, but in a nicer way. Mm-hmm. Presented it symbolic and allegorical in a way to question what was happening around them, but not going too far like horror kind of does. Yeah. Um, so you see a lot of like, I guess, melodramatic, like what is happening in our world, but masked in yeah. kind of like lighter things. So Goofs. you don't. Yeah. But then, as life goes on, um, you start to really see. The very brief stint of very graphic horror films, which we watched some of, but before that, um, you kind of see a, another decrease. So you go up, you go down, you go up, yeah. you go down. Uh, but an author, uh, analyzer, I guess, of sorts, Steiny, points out how in 1963 there was a significant decrease overall in communal and collective activities in Italy, which is kind of why horror took another backstep because you people would generally go to the theater yeah to see a film but with like the rise of vhs tapes people didn't really want to go to the theater they no longer were in awe of watching films that spooked and grossed out them in a small burst of time in a crowded place yeah they wanted to do that in the privacy of their own homes or not at all yeah um but you also saw like a substantial number of italians no longer going to church and buying televisions so they mm -hmm. wanted to kind of enjoy a more passive and familial use of leisure time. Yeah. Which, I mean, if your life's really stressful and hard, that makes sense. Yeah, and religion <laughs> definitely influenced most of their films in some way. Either mm -hmm. it was against that and against that kind of tyranny, or it was like, like if you let go of your religion, you're in trouble kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like moral questions and themes mm -hmm. being, like, masked in there. Yeah. Because you can't make it too overt or it gets taken away. <laughs> exactly. It's not allowed. But yeah. Um, and you also see just the use of a lot of iconographic, so like out, like masking what they're mm -hmm. trying to say. But uh, we really see that in the film genre that we're going to talk about in uh, Baba's Giallo and subsequently in Argento's uh, critiques later as a mechanism. The films are a mechanism through which you can critique the patriarchy capitalism and at times imperialistic impulse i don't know if they do that i think in a way sometimes they were trying to i think they were trying to i would say that but shout out to 100 years of cinema for helping us make some sense out of maybe what i don't know if it made sense to y'all but yeah. <laughs> it made sense to me a little bit so thank you to them for kind of like making a video slice of life for us to explain all what that's about yeah yeah yeah, I mean, so like Kat said, uh, Italian films had favored popular films yeah. of the time. Mm -hmm. Like, so they were kind of mimicking in a way, 
but in their in their way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, so prior to the 80s and 90s boom in Hong Kong action movie imports, Italy was well known for its Western films in the 60s. Spaghetti Western. The Spaghetti Western. Bob talks about that. It's cute. <laughs> or uh, it's also known as sword and sandal epics. Yeah. I don't know why. Sword and sandal epics? Yeah. Uh, but they were really, because I mean, you know, the Western is very clearly. It's, like it's a Greek play. <laughs> yeah. The epic. The epic. Uh, the, you know, American Western, right? It's such, it, that's like a quintessential American film. But mm-hmm. the spaghetti Westerns were these like Italian takes on that. And they took that same like brutish, brutish nature and stuff. That, or I don't know. Do that? I, it, it's like, it could be super Is it because you make pasta that's kind of rude? <laughs> it's like naming the uh, killer condom detective macaroni. Yes. Oh, God. That wasn't our <laughs> fault. We didn't do that. Uh, but, up, like, so way, way, way before even that, right? So up until the 60s, the genre was nearly silent, right? Because yeah. Because of that. It just, like, didn't have uh, an opportunity to really flourish because it didn't have a place. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just too much for a, a period that should have been just, like, everything's fine. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, or we always get to argue, like, horror is really the place where people get to say more. Mm-hmm. That was the problem, you know? You yeah. Don't, we don't want you to say more. There's no says. There's no words. <laughs> exactly. Watch Slice of Life fun. Yeah. <laughs> Bicycles are stolen. That's the greatest tragedy we have. That's it. Bicycle thieves. <laughs> are nice here. And it's still fun. Um, yeah. But, I mean, even so before the fascist regime, uh, in the 1900s, they flourished and yeah. had, like you said, this opportunity to to do that. Um, in they, in finally, but it was like 1900s films. They were very artistic and unique and Yeah, well, because they had visceral. to do a lot with very little. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, yeah. So in the 1960s, we'll flash all the way forward to when it really started to kick back up. Mm-hmm. It found its footing in films like I, Vampiri, mm-hmm. um, which kind of broke Italy out of this lull and into the horror genre. So Ivan Peary uh, is a unique vampire story, but still on the surface is very much influenced by its predecessors and influences of monster vampire films like mm-hmm. Dracula or Frankenstein. Yeah. Like it, it clearly takes influence from that and then did it. <laughs> so it was like one of their first, like, we really like this film. It works. Let's do it our way. Yeah, let's make it Italian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lights. <laughs> Yeah, black and white. Stress and who are we? What is life? I want them to make a color version, though, because those are fun. Yeah. Where they, like, splash it on to the... Yeah, they're very good at color. Um, when we flash over to the 70s, this is when we have now favored the sexy mystery thriller, thriller subgenre known as Jallo. Yes. Uh, what is Jallo, you might be thinking. Yeah. Listener, tell guess me. what? I'm going to tell you. It means yellow. That's it. That's what it is. Cool. <laughs> it means yellow in Italian, and that's why it's named. So uh, there were these crime novels um, from the fascist fascist era Italy that had yellow covers, um, and in, that was, like, in the 60s. And then later um, there were, like, mystery novels from America that would be translated into Italian, um, and they also had, like, the yellow covers. So that was, like, giallo. So kind of like... Um, like how we talked about the Penny Dreadfuls, mm-hmm. right? Like that was an opportunity to talk about these weird like werewolves and stuff. This was that, but like with there's a murderer on the loose. Um, the yeah, so the the film, the giallo films take its inspiration from 
the the books itself. Yeah. And were they all from America or were they from like Britain? And I'm probably? sure they were from all over. Yeah. Um, primarily it was from America, but some of them were even just like written there mm-hmm. and just had that because they just took that tape, that theme and that shape. Um, yeah. So then they adopted that into the actual genre of film. But Giallo isn't just one type of horror film or mm-hmm. even just like isn't even one type of film at all, but an yeah. offshoot of many genres. Uh, so like horror, drama, mystery, thriller. Um, but it has a very unique taste and they're rather easy to identify mm-hmm. uh, and uh, differentiate because they're stylish European murder mystery with candy red gore, bad dubbing, black leather gloves, robes, knives, and point of view shots. Cool. And lots of those strobing lights. Yeah, yeah, they definitely play upon, like, light and sound. Similar, I guess, like, when we saw Suspiria. Yeah. um, You know, it was, like, very, like, everything is happening. Yes, it's always happening, yes. Uh, Yeah, they rely on the, like, impact and, like, uh, intensity of, like, bright, lurid colors, uh, flashes and splashes of blood, full orchestral scores, picturesque locales, political conspiracies, earnest mm-hmm. heroes, and beautiful women stalked by cloaked killers. Yeah. Is what they were influenced by. Um, as film scholar Gary Needham points out, the giallo is in its cinematic form is that it appears to be less fixed as a genre than its written counterpart. It functions in a more peculiar and flexible manner as a conceptual category with highly movable and permeable boundaries that shift around. So essentially, it could just fit any genre that would allow that much blood in it. so uh, the Giallo genre, although its first film, like Blood and Black Lace, bombed at the box office, it proved to be quite popular. Mm-hmm. So they were just pumping them out like a bunch. They were just like, this somehow is working somewhere. <laughs> so we're going to keep it doing. like it. Yeah. So do more? Someone liked it? Do Sometimes more? <laughs> in life. When you least expect it. Love happens. It's so true. And it's for Giallo films. <laughs> yeah. Um... And yeah, and as they were like pumping them out, they always had like these really strange sounding titles. Uh, like, oh, man, I think it's just like your mind is a something, and I am, and only I have the key. Like that's the whole title. Is the entire so sentence. So they're really saying what it's about, <laughs> making it real clear cut for people. Yes, you know exactly what you're getting into. Um, but it was generally uh, directed by um, the the heroes of this time. So Dario Argento, Mario Bava, uh, and Lucio Fulci, who later influenced the genres to come, such as the zombie genre films helmed by their sons mm-hmm. um, or relatives. Argento has been said to be Italy's Hitchcock with, Hitchcock with his uh, unique and memorable style that would stick and influence the genres for years to come. Mm-hmm. While others, like other filmmakers of the time making Giallo, were not so artistic and were more of like a fun, exploitative romp. Yeah, I, I feel like we kind of saw that theme like when we were researching. It was like whenever there was a film that they liked from a different place, Yeah, it would start out real smart and like real uniquely Italian and like really saying something. Yeah. And be an extra, you know, and then it would turn into like that's why it would stop getting as popular. Like, hey, we did a thing. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> Look, ha! Someone, someone might like it. Yeah. Some, someone likes it somewhere. Make more. 
Yes, exactly. So, so yeah. then they would like just run into that. And what's really interesting about the Ajala and what we found was there's a lot of conflicting ideas on how it felt about female um, representation, mm-hmm. right? So like you touched on it, there's a lot of abuse of women. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike the, women. And, yeah, and lo- unlike the ones that we have have experienced in our other horror films, like genres with um, other foreign films, they are kind of helpless in our solely victims even the ones who are supposed to be enemies are victims in a way and they're just getting slapped around and calling stupid um but they're usually (laughs) you little idiot yes (laughs) Um, but whenever there's a a female lead it does seem like the detective story takes a backseat and instead they use this as like a a weapon to you know explore uh female sexuality and psyche um Mm -hmm. using the thriller elements to reflect like their fragile like hysteric woman life like mm-hmm. oh my god they're so crazy um which is just like blood and black lace yeah <laughs> uh which just you know use the female body for pleasure as like abusive pleasure and it's kind of scary yeah, it was very gory and graphic against women <laughs> um it was interesting yeah it's for but somebody surprisingly uh, Giella became even more sleazy with regular thriller plots now full of graphic violence and sex. And this was like an attempt for them to hold on to the viewerships that they were losing because mm-hmm. it wasn't that interesting anymore. Um, Noel Murray of the AV Club website, which I use for a bit of this information, said this about Giallo. Anyone who, dra- who dives headfirst into the genre will have to be willing to accept that these shiny-looking mood pieces can be exceptionally grim and misanthropic, treating human bodies, and naked female bodies especially, like meat, ripe for the carving. But for those who can appreciate that cinema can be about base stimulation and still be artfully made, Giallo can be fun. If nothing else, it's worth recognizing the genre's pervasive influence from crafty American thrillers like Dress to Kill and Halloween to more highbrow into the night films like Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. Even the blockbuster The Da Vinci Code is, at its core, a giallo. Yeah. Which I would agree. Um, Later, the giallo essentially influenced... um, uh, the films that were more sensational and gore-driven, uh, such as the, the zombie films of the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, like Demon and Zombie, Zombie 2, which uh, we'll talk about Demon, um, which were definitely inspired by George A. Romero's work, or mm-hmm. even the horrific and exploitative mockumentaries featuring African and Amazonian cultures in a degrading, disgusting way, like Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. So, so I guess what I got out of it is that it's problematic, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah, went in Italy. <laughs> went in Rome. Yeah, yeah Rome's in Italy. Whoa, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> went in Rome. I could just said that. So we watch stuff as we yeah. do. What? I love that we say that every time. Like I know. it's new. Like you it? didn't just hear that entire interlude. Remember when we said Italian film <laughs> takes a thing and just makes it? It's it already exists, but we make it real unique and new. That's us every time. Every time. It's just like you know, we want to be a little extra just for you. It's for you, the listener. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I so. 
when we, Italy was hard. It was hard because um, a lot of the, the information about their influences were kind of pushed around and not like publicized as much. It was very mm-hmm. hard to locate because a lot of it was just like Mussolini was here and then it was just a blackout period of like we don't talk about stuff Mm -hmm. um and horror it was really hard for horror to thrive um so finding giallo it was just like wow this is this very impactful unique genre that like we have to cover like there's no way that we're gonna like gloss like if we're doing foreign horror how can we not do this yeah and we've already i mean we've talked about suspiria we have watched just like randomly uh dario argento films because he's very unique and and they stick with you i enjoy him I do. I very much enjoy Dario Argento films. Yes. Just like, I just, it's just fun. He is fun. He is so fun. We're not going to talk about Suspiria because we already did, um, but that even has been argued is not uh, a giallo. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have exactly the right like qualifications, but it, yeah. it's definitely his style, which is very much influenced by that genre because he mm-hmm. pioneered it. Um, <laughs> of one of... <laughs> I can't remember the name right now, but the bug film, like the arachnophobia or whatever one. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, so Lots good. of bugs. Bugs uh, on bugs on bugs. Yeah. Um, I would say with Giallo, it was, um, I really wanted to like it more than I did. Yeah. So. Uh, it we're was gonna, tough, yeah. Because it, it's like, we want to be like respectful of all the things. And it was like, sometimes it's just not our thing. And yeah. I'm sorry. And it, it like, and I think mystery thriller is definitely like my favorite thing. And if this was a book. I would be reading it like crazy. I'm one of those, like, old ladies who reads, like, the mystery novels about the murder on the train. Love Mm -hmm. it. Eat it up. I would eat this story up. I was, like, loving the whole, like, there's a diary and it's leading to this and it's leading to that. I just, Mm -hmm. like, really just wanted the information. I did not want to watch it, which was sad. Um, So what we watched was Blood and Black Lace from 1964 because this is, like, a quintessential giallo film mm-hmm. um it has all of the components and it is mario bava mm-hmm. and um, i do want one of those cool red mannequins that he has in there yeah that, that he definitely had good like set set up i thought yeah. it was like really interesting how he set stuff up isn't it was cool yeah i definitely <laughs> want to stand next to a red mannequin while light shines in my face like a colored light and look really suspensefully off into the distance yeah it inspired me <laughs> Blood and Black Lace from 1964. Here's what it's about. A masked, shadowy killer brutally murders the models of a scandalous fashion house in Rome, which is in Italy, guys. Cool. It's directed by Mario Bava. Um, so, yeah, so this film follows uh, these women who work at this fashion company. And they, it's, it reminded me of Suspiria and that it's like this very unique artistic house that is a home to women of a specific art, right? So it's like instead of dancers, yeah, so they're it fashion. Is a, yeah, it's like and the second film we the directress. For thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so it's very, like, art is very important, and I think that's really cool. Um, but this woman gets murdered, and then later it's discovered she had a diary, and everyone wants this diary. Two women are killed because of this diary, because everyone mm-hmm. has secrets, and this girl who died at the beginning knew everyone's secrets. And then it becomes just this, like, snowball effect of, uh, well, I killed this person, now I have to kill this person to keep them quiet. It's like mm-hmm. that episode of Black Mirror that was really sad. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, you just got to keep killing people. And I, essentially, when we were watching, I was like, this is like the little lady who swallowed a fly. 
and she didn't know why she swallowed the fly, and then she, like, eats a spider, and then she eats a cat, and then she eats a dog until she Mm -hmm. eats, like, a horse. That's what this film was, but for murders. Yeah, it was really interesting, and it was... I know you loved it. Or you didn't love it. You <laughs> liked it more than me. It, <laughs> you liked it a lot more than I did. And I guess what I don't know. It was hard for me to follow. Mm-hmm. And it was they were murdered so like crazy. And it seemed like they were also just like given subtle moral jabs. Like yeah. to like they're in this house which is already not traditional. And now they are doing these things like drugs or having sex or sex yeah. they shouldn't be mm-hmm. having, you know, with whatever man or whatever, you yeah. know. And there's drugs and abortions mm-hmm. and, like, money and secrets and causing all the murder. And yeah. I mean, it was intriguing, I guess. But it was also just like, what's wrong with the fact she's staying with that guy from my 2019 lens? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> this movie's from the 60s. Yeah, there's definitely like so an entire it. plot where a girl, the, she took the book, The Diary, because there's, uh, it's written in there about her abortion. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's, it's happened a long time ago. I don't feel like the police would say anything. Like, it, it was kind of crazy to me that she was like burning this book because yeah. of that. But it, given the time, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you think back to like Greece, not Greece, I'm saying the wrong film. <laughs> what is it called? Dirty Dancing. Yes. Um, Penny's in Trouble. Was that who it was? Yes. Yeah. So, like, how it had to be, like, back alley. Mm-hmm. It's kind of real handmade. So we're heading there now. Huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, that kind of, like, stress around the moral aspect of it and just, like, the social aspect of it from that time period was interesting. Yeah. And it's, it. yeah, it was definitely very prevalent in there. Um, there, I, what I really enjoyed, so there's this, like, switch up where all the men are in, are in jail because they're under suspicion. And mm-hmm. so then a murder happens, and so they're all released. Mm-hmm. Well, the murder that happens is drastically different from the rest of the murders we saw because they were very violent and aggressive and just bloody and gory and just crazy. Like, one woman, her face is just smushed onto this, like, r- this thing that's, like, really hot, so it, like, burns mm-hmm. her face off. And then versus... The murder that happens there, which is like, uh, oh, she just gets a pillow on her yeah, face. Like and it's like a struggle. Smothered. Yeah. And then it turns out, spoilers, again, this film is from 1964, so you've had time. Uh, <laughs> spoilers that uh, there's the woman who runs the house is helping her partner, who is the murderer her this whole time. Husband. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it was different. And I thought the, de- the attention to that detail was super interesting to me because like Mm -hmm. if I were reading the book and that part came up because even when it happened I was like that's a very drastically different killing style yeah remember you like being like he's not very good at smothering her you critiqued his (laughs) suffocation talent it was very bad and I was like like, this is not right she's moving all around she's not doing or whoever they're not doing a good job it was super out of character for me so it was cool to see that there was a reason for that but Mm -hmm. for a giallo film right it had the color it had the fashion. It has the gore. It's the the masked man. He's got this like white cloth on his face, so we never know. And a hat. Yeah. Like he looks like a mysterious like a trench coat man. With yeah. A hat. yeah. It's super cool. And in yeah, it just definitely felt like like um like yeah, it was a 
detective downtown and she came in and she changed my life like that I can hear this as an audio drama yeah, <laughs> you know and, instead of watching it. and it was interesting to me because it definitely seemed like the giallo like had uh, the tech detective as like the front seat yeah and I think that's why it was like weird for me because that's what I was expecting and then it really was the story of the murders and the women yeah and then the detective happened to already be also be there he, yeah he and there was I a don't point think when he I, gets like a resolve he's just like no ah, the movie's over yeah absolutely <laughs> there was a time where it looked like that was gonna happen and I got really excited because he's like uh hey if if she was murdered at this time in the a.m., and this is how long it takes you to get from point A to point B, and blah, blah, blah. And he eventually was just like, so as a resolution, what I've come up with is that none of you uh, can be exempt. None of you have an alibi, so I'm going to lock you all up. Mm. And that was his thing. Like, he didn't have, like, an actual... He wasn't like, ah, I figured it out. It was just like, anything. It could be anyone. It could be anyone. And it was kind of like, it kind of let me down but with the what made giallo films popular wasn't is this very unique style and taking like these like stressful and exciting lurid mystery tales and bringing them to life with all this color and with this action and with this drama Mm -hmm. uh is exactly what was needed for the time but it also has dub which is very important because unlike our other films the dub didn't feel like as important or as impactful to the film mm-hmm. as these ones did. Like, they're very known for having oddly weird bad dub. Yeah. And fun fact is that uh, most of the male characters were dubbed by Paul Fries for the American release of the film. So we're getting one male voice that just is doing different. And that I was wondering, I was like, why can't I tell the difference from any of these men? <laughs> they, like, they all you look different. You did comment on that, which is funny. So that is a really fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it has a lot of really cool things in there. Um, but it's crazy. It's definitely its whole thing. But that's the, the Giallo is the, what influenced the later realm of gory films mm-hmm. that were also very popular in Italy, which is what inspired us to watch demons, demons. or demony. I demons. think, I don't know I think if that's it was actually, demons. I saw one time where there was an eye. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, um, so this Demons, 1985, a group of random people are invited to a screening of a mysterious movie, only to find themselves trapped in the theater with ravenous demons. So yeah, the director is Lamberto Bava. Yeah. Interesting. Yes, exactly. Intrigue. So we watched Mario Bava, and then we watched his son... Lamberto, who was okay. accompanied by Dario Argento. Yeah, so the, the screenplay is Dario Argento's screenplay. He's mm-hmm. the one who wrote it. Um, and then the director was Lam- Lamberto Baba. Yeah, um, it's so, it's it's a weird nepotism, which yeah. I guess is what we would get around it. But it's like, it's kind of cute nepotism, because Argento also had people mm-hmm. who were still creating films. Yeah, and I will say I like this one a lot more. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was really a giallo. It's not. It's, it's not. not. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I loved it. I thought it was <laughs> so funny. And I just, yeah. It, it was like, it was scary at times, too. Because, like, the way they went about everything, they took it seriously. It was actually, like, more graphic than I expected it to be. Oh, yeah. It was very Suspiria-like in the way that they used the music and, like, the brightness and the drama. And the, sus- and the weird, like, the very interesting and unique 
like plot, like not plot, uh, set pieces and set design, it's all very Italian, mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, and, and they actually use the the theater that they use in the film in real life uh, to, as like a horror. <sighs> I want to go. Like, what's it called? What's it called? Uh, horror conventions. They oh host my several gosh. horror conventions. Let's go. But it's in Berlin. Someone actually. invite us. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> first class tickets. Let's go. Yeah, it's <laughs> so cool. It's yeah. So Demons is uh, the f- films in the eighties that were influenced by American slasher films mm-hmm. and uh, the zombie films, um, like George A. Romero. So mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, this is the type of film that works. Let's do our version of it, and they did. They did their version of it. Um, but it definitely. Had had like their Italian feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really loved it. And it was just like, you didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Like I remember when it led up very slowly. Yes. Ugh. So you're sitting in the theater, the girl who you're like, why is this who she's with? The square. The weird guy. No, no, no. The two innocent girls who I don't know how you both are like hyper innocent. You have the first yeah. hyper innocent girl and then you're like, all right, she's going to have a, a sassy friend. Who's also very innocent. And then she goes up there, and her friend just kind of mad mm-hmm. and is also very more, maybe arguably more innocent than her. Yeah, and, she didn't like horror movies. But she was very pretty. Mm-hmm. We commented on that. Yeah, she looked like Megan Fox, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, so they like go into this film after receiving a little card from a mysterious half-masked stranger. He was very terrifying. I don't know why the square would have taken that card and thought it was fun. Yeah, no. I don't I don't know why she ended up there. It goes against her character development entirely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was scared to walk to half of a dark alley under a subway platform. Which yeah. I mean is scary. But you don't take pamphlets from strangers and go to weird art houses. Yeah. So she brings her friend and there's these guys there. There's this like, two women who are, like, the, I arguably, like, some of the only people of, of color, color mm-hmm. um, with a gentleman who is also a person of color. Yeah, there's a um, black woman, a black man, and a Hispanic woman. Yes. So, they're interesting how they portray yeah. the, it's a <laughs> those people. It's a dynamic that is questionable, <laughs> yeah. at the very least. It definitely seems like it could be seen as the fact that he's quite possibly their pimp. And yeah, they are working girls, or they have a very strange friendship. Yeah, it was real weird. Um, but then it starts out with that. So mm-hmm. essentially, their weird dynamic, the the one woman putting the mask on her face and it cutting her, and then they're watching a film mm-hmm. in the theater about someone putting a mask on their face and cutting themselves with it. And then they all just go crazy and turn into zombies. So it was just really... Fun. I wasn't expecting it to go that way. I heard demons, and I was like, all right, paranormal, <laughs> yes. ready for it. And then it was just full-on zombie apocalypse. Somehow a helicopter gets hauled in there. Yeah, oh, my God. I don't even, like... It's so I'll, crazy. I'll be honest. I took my, my, my medicine at the end, so, like, towards the end, I was like... What is this? All I know is that this is great music, yeah. <laughs> which is the goth yeah. Uh, oh, techno. Yeah, techno time. goth, which is... Right now, my favorite Absolutely type of music fantastic. right now. Um, they play, yeah, oh, they play some really good. They play really great music, but it's um, the the film. So it's where they're they go to see a film, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And what I thought was really, really cool is that we go into the film like we start watching the film mm-hmm. like it just becomes the film primary film. film. Yeah. yeah. Which is super cool. And in that film, it's like a bunch of teenagers and they're going to this like abandoned grave or something. And it's Nostradamus's grave, which mm-hmm. was super weird. Like I don't it was a weird, weird obsession with Nostradamus. And they were like, he's buried here and he has secrets and Curses. all this stuff. And it's like, what? What? Did it, <laughs> what lore is this why, from? Yeah, like, why is he this impactful? But, yeah, so there's, like, the mirroring of the, the violence and the, the demons in the film, and they come to life. There's no real understanding of how that happened. Because mm-hmm. there's a girl who's, like, an usher who works there, but she has no idea, and she ended up dying horrifically. And I was really hoping that, like, she would have, like... And she was, like, weird the whole time, She was too. weird in the beginning, and then immediately was like, what is this? I think if anyone went through this film with a fine-tooth comb looking for plot holes... You could find them. There were so many. One being that if the mask is what does this, how are zombies everywhere now? Well, because the one guy got out. Because it's not just a mask. It's when you get cut or scratched or anything, you then become a zombie. Okay. Uh, And there's a guy who escaped when the weird punk kids got in to hide from cops. So there's also this like weird so we're we're trapped in the theater with these ki- these people who are being traumatized by demons, demon zombies. And then outside for like 30 minutes we keep cutting back to these kids who are just snorting coke out of a coke can and like are essentially just out of a Billy Idol music video and they and are listening to Billy Idol, but they are doing like crazy weird punk kid stuff and then they end up at the theater. But that's like 30 minutes before they end up to the theater and it's just cutting back and forth where you're like, are these our unsung heroes? Yeah, it was and really confusing not, that's in That's not way. at all. Um, fun fact, the scene where they spilled the Coke in the car yeah. was so controversial that it was censored in a lot of places. What? That's so they crazy. just like took that whole scene out. That's so funny. They, it was a very interesting like, thing boobs, to throw in. Drugs. Ah. Yeah. We, I don't feel like we didn't need Who their backstory. Who cares about the murder and blood? <laughs> yeah. They had coke in that can. Well, they also did But not the kind that we have here. Her boobs, so. Yeah. It was a little X-rated. But we, I don't think we needed their whole backstory to understand why the door got opened. That could have been anybody. Yeah, it was weird. It was interesting. Yeah. My other uh, issue was that there's this whole point where they, like, bust through this wall to get further inside. Like, they're trying to escape, and they get into this, like, one room, and there's nothing. It's, like, nothing. There's no reason. It's just walls. And then it's just walls, and then all of the women are hysterical. Their like, the mind. word hysterical that people would put onto women to say that they are they can't do anything and we need to lock them up, that's the way that all of those women were acting. They just it was so shrieking. weird. It was like, very strange. instantly, like, they saw walls, and they lost it. And then yeah. <laughs> the men were the calm ones being, like, Oh, we got to go back. And they're just like hysterical. And I was just like, this is, you're still doing it. You're still doing it, Italy. Yeah, <laughs> it was stronger weird. women, but please. I did really enjoy the film. I will yes. say that. It was funny as anything. I don't think it was maybe intended to be funny. But At I mean, the worst parts where scary. I felt scared, like when the first transformations are happening, they did a really good job they're with really like gross. the gore and like the way that they transformed like it didn't look as hokey as i expected it to like when the teeth were falling out oh no no. no. why why i was like had my face in my shirt and was screaming so yeah that was good they did a good job yeah they had very good gore and it was an interesting story that i enjoyed yeah
Capella version of goth techno. So, fun fact if you type into YouTube, goth techno demons Dario Argento and scroll to the demons trailer Dario Argento, you will hear the real version of that. And it is fun. It's really great. It's, it really put the whole film into focus. Yeah, I was just like, I don't even care what we watched. I love this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, immediately, every time the music happened, I was like, why is the music gone? You said it, too. You were like, yeah. aw. <laughs> yeah, because I The music was... really added. Like, I want it back. Why is it quiet now? Yes. Every time it left for, like, conversation or something, I was honestly sad. Because mm-hmm. it really, really put it into it. It was just like, it, like, pumped you up. Like, nothing else was happening. She was just walking, but you were like, din, 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 din. yeah. Like, I'm ready for whatever's happening here. Yeah. So, yeah, really goth fun. techno for it and 100%. that's super argento like he is goblin for a lot of his films not just suspiria um but he understood the importance of having like the music in there right yeah he's so beautiful. cool that was really cool that was fun so yeah all right so if you like it it's and if you don't like it it's This is the f- most fun we've done in one of our rating systems, in my opinion. Yeah, it's my favorite, by far. <laughs> um, so for uh, Italian film, not just specifically Giallo, but Italian horror films. Um, so, like, the second one we watched, if that's, like, a lot of them... <laughs> Like, I like Suspiria. I liked that one. So I'm going to go. Yeah, I. It's tough because I have read a lot about Salo and we didn't watch it because, you know, we just are honest with ourselves and where our limits are. And that, that film was my limit. And I understand that's very important and that it's impactful. But stuff like that. And Cannibal Holocaust and some of the other exploitative mockumentaries. Yeah, no, those aren't cool. That's make a hard. Make me really, really upset. It's a hard. Well, yeah. So there's there's a part of me that's like, no. As far as Italian cinema goes, there are some really, really good uh, foundational work that's throughout there that I, you know, as a film person, uh, yeah. have to, you know, pay respect to. But yeah, with Giallo, I really just want to read those Giallos. Yeah. I want to read them. I do enjoy Like, I think I could just like have them on in the background and I would love to see, like to glance over and see some weird colors happening. I want to live in one of those houses that has like a lot of bright colors mm-hmm. and lots of stripes. You know, when just every one of your rooms is a different bright, <laughs> bright color. color. <laughs> And, like, lots of black and white, like, furniture. It just looks like, uh, uh, what's it called? 
um, like Beetlejuice. Like the yeah. house in Beetlejuice is essentially a giallo or like film. Giallo themed birthday party. Absolutely, just giallo themed life. Uh, with that, I did <laughs> without like the a, murder. <laughs> yeah, without the murder and the mystery. Um, the other films, yeah, I, I'm still down to watch them. So it's like, but yeah, I'm glad we did. Yeah, no, I'm happy we did it. And it's just like I acknowledge why I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Why I did. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. And, you know, respect for it. Yeah. It's just maybe not going to always be my thing. Yeah, I enjoy the, the creativity of mm-hmm. Blood and Black Lace and the really, really unique way that it told the story. Yeah. And I enjoyed that just from, like, a filmmaking standpoint. But also just, like, as a person who loves thrillers, I do wish there was more. And I wish, I, I wish there were more uh, recent films that were made in the giallo, like, frame of mind. Like, yeah. if you have a suggestion for a film that's more recent, so it would have, like, a little more uh, things that I can get down with, uh, like, the representation of women have improved, let me know, because I do want to watch them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, like, an interesting and, I think, very uniquely Italian thing that I just... It would be cool to see it done in a more modern lens just because maybe we would understand it a little bit more. I feel like when you're looking back, it's like always a little hard to fully get why. Yeah. You know? And I saw, you know, it does seem like they kind of, so like the 60s with Giallo, their 80s with their slasher, and then even a little into the 90s. But I haven't seen a lot of Italian horror that is doing that, that has its own unique thing and it's doing it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also was looking in the past, <laughs> so yeah. it could be there, and I just don't know. Um, but if any suggestions are welcome. Yeah, send us a message, ghoulsnextdoor.com. Yep, or uh, thegoulsnextdoor at gmail.com, uh, and all the social medias. But Say words to us. Yeah, this has been our foreign horror episode yeah. Uh, the whole series now. We've done four. If you haven't heard, we've done Japanese, French, and Korean, as well as this one. So if you haven't heard those, check them out. And then definitely let us know if you have any suggestions or what your thoughts were, if you enjoyed any of these specifically. We love hearing about it. Mm-hmm. And um, then if there's things you want us to do in the future. Yeah, absolutely. we got another really cool uh, series coming up for you that I'm very excited about. And I'm not going to tell you about it. It's going to be a surprise. <laughs> well, you know, like but a, they don't know. Like a twist? Like a <laughs> giallo thriller? It is a thriller. It's going to okay. thrill you all. Beautiful. You're going to be so excited. But yeah. in the meantime, remember, don't, don't get, get married. married. They'll, they'll eat your kids. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll grow up and do something scandalous, like have sex, and then you have to murder them. Yeah. That sounds like what they do. And the little... Our kids... The little old uh, killer who killed the girl. I don't know why she ki- he killed the girl. But he, but he did. <laughs> so he killed another girl to hide that girl. Okay. Just so you know, this show is about scary stuff. So don't say I didn't warn you guys. And remember, don't be scared. Murderous Miners brings true tales of children who have killed. Premeditated murders, accidental killings and deaths, 
From toddlers to 18-year-old killers, no one is too young to take a life. Join me, War Baby, as I try to tell these stories of the young who've killed, the lives they took, and even the ones who've been left behind. Why do children kill? What do we do with young killers? And do they kill again? And until next time, don't be scared. <laughs>